Well, good morning and welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. I am so glad that you're with us today. I'm excited about the series that we're in. We're calling this Undercover Boss. We're going to look into the truths of God's Word over the next six weeks together and really see how sometimes there's some things that can be undercover in us without us knowing and how we can conquer over those things. So let's get right into it now, into the Word. so glad that you're here. I believe God has something life-changing today. I have been praying all week and preparing this message along with our entire uh, ministry team here. Everything that we do here, I I just hope you know that it comes from the heart and hopefully, you know, everything that we do, we want it to glorify God. We always want everything to be about Him. So would you just help me thank all of our worship team, our tech people in the back, making sure that we're able to have this stuff so we can... We can focus in on God. Uh, On the screen, you might have noticed some wordage up there that we've been dealing with over the last five weeks. We're in a series called Undercover Boss. I just think there's some things that, um, as followers of Christ, some things that can go undercover in our heart and in our life. And if we're not careful, they can rule us. So I know this has been a little bit tough. I know some of the things have been not so fun to look at. But I do pray and I hope this. Everything we tackle in the name of Jesus Christ, he always brings us hope. So I want you to find that hope in God today. If you're here and you say, you know what, Mike, I just, I just don't believe the Bible. I don't believe God. I'm here because my family wanted me to be here. Can I tell you, I am so glad that you're here. I really am. And I, I hope that maybe God moves the needle over a little bit for you to perhaps take a look at the fact that maybe there is a God. Maybe that book is from God, the Bible. If you're here today and you just feel far away from the Lord and you just sense, man, it's time for me to come back. Circumstances have just been the last couple of years upside down. And I just, I really want to get back with Christ. I pray the needle moves over for you a little bit and we can get closer to Jesus by the time that we leave here and make some radical decisions. If you're here and you're on fire, you love God, you are in the spirit, you are, God, what do you have for me next? I am, I'm not only feeling it, God, I am living it. I trust you, I believe in you through the difficult times, through the good times, God, I am with you all the way. I pray the needle moves over for you a little bit more to get even closer and closer to the spirit. Somebody say amen. We are in Matthew. We're going to start in Matthew 15, then we're going to go to Romans 8. So if you just want to put a marker there, if you brought your Bibles, uh, if you're using your, uh, your smartphone, whatever works, that's cool. We'll also have it up on the screen if you don't have a Bible, because we want to make the Word of God accessible to everyone, right? Um, I want to speak just a, a couple of quick things from my heart before we get into the message today. And that is, I'm sure that we are all aware of what's going on in our society, what's going on in our nation, and even around the world in regards to division, racism, things that just hate, things that are just breaking. I I know a lot of you breaking our hearts when we see some of the stuff going on. And what we don't want to see happen, and I would just, just hear me out on this, that just 
from my heart. It's been grieving my heart. We had a meeting just with our pastoral team, and our, we have a Tuesday morning prayer meeting. Every Tuesday, as pastor team, we just get together and we pray. We pray for you. We are praying for the church. We are praying for our city of Mission Viejo that God comes and brings a great revival back to the church, and we see thousands of people give their lives to Jesus. Really, genuinely, life change. As we're waiting for that, things might get worse before they get better. So what I don't want to see happen, and I can speak on, on behalf of our entire family here, our ministry team, as well, all of our leaders, we do not want to see the division, the racism, the hate, the choosing of sides to creep into the church. Are, are you with me? So if somebody wants to wear a mask when they go indoors, that's okay. If somebody feels like they don't need to wear a mask, that's okay. If somebody decides to get the vaccine, that's all right. If somebody's waiting for whatever reasons and their personal reasons and I just don't want to get the vaccine, that's okay. Our unity is not found in what the world does. Our unity is found in Jesus Christ and what that word says. So here's... Here's, here's two things that I want us to keep focused as followers of Christ. One is we are unified together. You are my brother. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and nothing will ever change that. What are we unified in? The color of the carpeting, the new style of chairs, the new battleship gray that we painted on the walls. Is that our unity? No. Our unity is found in Jesus Christ. He's the son of God. He's God in flesh. That word right there is the inerrant, perfect word of God. We agree that Jesus Christ came down from heaven, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, that he lived 33 years. He died on a cross. He rose again. He is God in flesh. He one day will return. We are all lost. We need Jesus Christ stepping into faith. We are now saved by God's grace. And... Our unity is found in getting that message out by the way that we live. That's why what we talk about today is going to be so important because we want to be more like Jesus. Not so it's good for ourselves, but it glorifies God and we want other people to see and experience God by the way that we live. Have you noticed there are some empty seats here? We're not going to get down and depressed about that, but those seats represent lives. Somebody's lost driving past MVCC or Saddleback Church or the Presbyterian Church, whatever Bible church you know a person goes to, there are lost people around us who need God. They're not coming and flooding to the churches like they used to in the 1980s. We had a revival that was trickled from the Jesus movement. The people were coming to the church by the hundreds, thousands even. But that's, that has changed now. So that requires of us to get outside ourselves, out of our comfort zone, and look and pray and believe for someone who is lost in our life that we are able to bring them the good news of Jesus Christ. So that is our unity. Not what's going on with the pandemic, not what this person believes or that person believes or what Dr. Fauci believes. Number two is this, our identity in Christ. You and I are brothers and sisters. We are sons and daughters of God. Our identity is not found in what we do. Our identity is found and what God has done for us. And we're so grateful that we've been able to receive the goodness of God, right? 
So I just want to say that from the get-go, we're not avoiding things, denying things, pretending that things aren't there. I know that the enemy is looming. I know that the enemy, because 1 Peter 5, 8 says, he is a roaring lion seeking someone, some church to devour. If he can sink his spiritual teeth into us and divide and conquer, he will do whatever he can. If somebody's not ready to come back to MVCC because they are just very concerned about the pandemic, we don't disown that brother. We don't disown that sister. Well, you know, you should be in church. God has inspired and infused every single one of us, and we are different with patience and love with people. Amen? All right, we are on the move. I'm so glad that we are part of a church that wants to be on the move. It was Henry Blackaby who said many, many years ago, find out where God is working and jump in, right? We don't have to make something happen. We get connected to him and we jump in on what he's already doing. Today, I want to talk about the sensitive subject. And I know that some of these emotions can run really deep. I want to be very, very aware of that, that when we feel guilt, because we have either done something wrong, made a wrong choice, or something traumatic has happened to us, and we allow that guilt to rule us and dominate us, it can start to affect every area of our life. Would you agree? So today we're going to be talking about guilt and how can we be freed from that. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 15. Read a couple of verses, and I want to kind of set something up here where I think Jesus' words were very, very clear and very, very specific. We want to follow his word. It doesn't really matter here what I say. I want us to hear what God is saying. Would you agree? So in Matthew 15, we're just going to look up here on the screens, or you can look here on the, the one screen here on the left side of me. Jesus is speaking to a mix of religious people and his disciples. And he says, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts like murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Have you ever said to yourself or heard somebody say in a conversation where they they said something that was inappropriate or said something that was shocking and they said, oh, no, that's that's not me. That must not have been me. I was out of character. I don't usually speak like that. I don't think about those things. Um, I hope some of you noticed this um, colander here, a glass colander filled with Skittles. Any fans of Skittles here? I know now if we had junior hires in the room, they'd be like, yeah, throw them out to us, right? When I think about this, and I think about literally if I was to turn this over and spill all of these on the platform, tipping it over does not determine what comes out. Turning it over exposes what's already inside. I think that, that this silly illustration is what Jesus is trying to communicate. It's not that we have everything set up outside and the image is good and we say the right things and we do the right things. It's out of the heart from the inside exposes what's really there. 
And so Jesus was very specific. If you have your Bibles again, turn over to um, Proverbs, written by Solomon, who was the wisest man on the face of the earth. Solomon wrote these wise words through the inspiration of God, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. So as I mentioned, we're going to talk about guilt today, but what we're going to talk about is how do I guard my heart? How do I engage my heart with God so that if I feel guilt and can't get away from the past, how, God, can I be freed from that? Let's talk about what guilt really is. Guilt is an emotion associated with acknowledging we have done something wrong. It's pretty simple. We've all done something wrong, right? None of us can just, you know, scot-free, throw our hands up and say, oh, no, I've never done anything wrong. We've, we've all sinned, Romans 3.23, fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done something inappropriate. We've all done, we've made a bad choice. We did something that was wrong. So therefore, we can have some options here after we do wrong. When we feel guilty about it and we let guilt rule us, number one option is we could just deny it. Oh no, it didn't really happen. Uh, but we can push it out, try to push it out of our memory. We won't, we won't go to a place that possibly might bring that up, whether it's relationship or it's a physical place or an emotional place. We just deny it never really happened. Option number two is we could stuff it. We stuff it down. And when we stuff that stuff down, like guilt, we talked about anger and anxiety and pretend it's not there, it always remains there. And somehow, some way, it's going to come out. Have you ever been around someone that um, they can be the nicest person over here and then right over here something happens and they like turn into that, remember back in the day when they had traffic school and they had that cartoon, Goofy, he turned into Mr. Wheeler, right? Remember that? I guess it's just me and you, man. We'll just connect right here, baby. Behind, it, behind the wheel, all of a sudden he changes and all of a sudden somebody can change. It might be that they stuffed some stuff down so deep that there's like shrapnel. When something happens, it comes out and they spill out on everybody else. Okay, option number three is this. Could just run from it. Could just run from it. And that is also associated with pretending. Um, you know, I was in college. It was us. It, we, we were just around some bad behavior. I was some influential people in my life. It was, it was, college, it was the first day of class. We were in the dorms, and we just, you know, it, I was 25. I was young then, and oh, we were just newly married, and this happened. And we see how we kind of just run from it. We don't own up to it, and that will then give denial the empowerment, yeah, Right? What we don't want and what we're talking about today is what God says. He does not want you to be empowered by denying it. It's not there. I just believe somebody's going to get free today. I believe that. I've been praying all week. We had prayer meetings about it. Somebody's going to get set free from the guilt that we may have been living with for weeks, months, and even years. You ever heard somebody say, man, when I confessed it, I just felt the weight come off? If we do not get this solved, handled, handle it, giving it to God, unfortunately, it can rule us. We don't want that. And our guilt can travel with us. It's like, get away. Get away from me. And it just keeps traveling and following us wherever we go. And unfortunately, our guilt can even lead to anger. 
You ever wonder why that person is so angry all the time? Or it just comes out like a volcano. It might be that there's some deep-seated guilt in there that yet we have not dealt with. Don't look at your wife. Don't look at your husband right now. I'm just talking about somebody else, right? So, question is, how are we going to guard our heart? It may even be that I'm angry with myself. Past stuff. See, we want to talk about real stuff here, right? Jesus was very authentic. He was very real. I think that's why he was so attractive by so many people. And I think that Jesus, without a doubt, he was loving towards everyone. And Jesus was definitely on mission. We want to be real with God, ourselves, and others. Put the phony card away, pretending that Christians are better than everybody else, because we're not. And, and, and just be real and loving towards everyone and knowing that the mission that God has put you and I on together and separately is we want to get as many people as we can to the cross. So I was, um, when my wife and I lived, suffered in Hawaii for six years living there, um, I got to be a youth pastor. My wife got to serve on a high school campus, public high school campus called Kalani High School. The problem, Pakalolo and alcohol was so bad. Marijuana and alcohol was so bad within uh, the high schools that literally there were hundreds of kids that were smoking and drinking and missing class and they get sent to my wife. And my wife was on campus full time. It was such a big problem. And she would sit with the kids and counsel with them and try to help them. She felt like at that age, we could make the most difference in someone's life because they're still young. So um, I was serving as a youth pastor. And in the church that we were serving in, it was called East Oahu Church. Um, there was a, a friendship that struck up between me and another, myself and another brother. We went out surfing together. And we just hung out together. And we just kind of just connected. Like the Bible, you know, David and Jonathan had this close brotherly friendship. Just like brothers, bro. So we just started hanging out and got closer and closer and closer. When, as spiritually we were getting closer together, we start just talking about some of the real stuff. And he admitted to me that he had grown up in a home where there was alcohol throughout. His father was an extreme alcoholic. So he would come home in his teenage years, and he would not know what he was coming home to. Sometimes he'd come home to a dad that was happy. Sometimes he, sometimes he came home to a dad that was angry and threw things through the wall. And even pushed him, my buddy, into the wall. And so all these emotions as he was in tears explaining what he grew up with, something happened between he and his brothers that they all decided when they were a little bit older to handle their father's problem differently. And because it was a difference of opinion and how they were going to handle that in the home and how they were going to treat their father and deal with all these things that had happened, a division happened between the siblings. And this is what he said, and he's just, he is in tears. We're sitting on the edge of uh, uh, Point Loma, or... Um, uh, uh, Portlock Point, beautiful setting, sunset was coming down, and he's just in tears about this and says, I have not spoken to my brothers in 12 years. Not even Christmas and Easter. And as he was just sharing this, now he was putting together why there was anger, frustration, resentment, how he cut people off and just think nothing of it and justify it, even as a Christian. All this stuff was starting to come out. I, what I'm asking us to do here is to dig down deep what's going on inside of the engine room of our life. And now I want to talk about what has God's word said about what we do about this. All right, you ready? Now the good news. 
face it and embrace it. Come on. We got to be willing to face the tough stuff and embrace it. Why don't we do this? Why don't we face things that are sometimes uncomfortable? I think for me, because I don't want to feel that condemnation. I don't want to feel that heaviness. I don't want to walk through something that's really, really difficult. I don't want to walk through something that's uncomfortable. We usually don't wake up and say, Lord Jesus, make my life as uncomfortable as possible. Make it as absolutely uncomfortable and difficult. I mean, if you bring a storm, I would be so delighted today, God. We don't do that. Our natural reaction is, God, I don't want to walk through this. I don't want these problems. I don't want this storm. Now, the past, look at back in the past. Each of us obviously have one. It's a part of your now, I hope this brings some freedom for some of us because I think what we do is we deny it. We push it off to the side. It really didn't happen. I don't want to deal with it. I, I, want us to, I want us to just get some wisdom here from God about how we deal with this. It's a part of your story and it was not meant to be left behind. Yes, our failures, our mistakes, our sins our bad choices, and even very traumatic things that have maybe happened to us. It's part of our story that God can use. So here's the freeing thing for us. You don't have to be defined by your past. Amen. Your past doesn't define you. If, as what I was talking about at the beginning of this message from my heart, the identity in Christ is now what defines us. But we have to engage in that. We can't just accept those words. I must believe it in my mind. I must believe that what Jesus said is true. And second is I must walk in it. I had a brother tell me about seven, eight years ago, he was hearing me talk about revival. I was always praying about revival, gra grabbing pastors together even in our city. And he says, brother, you need to stop talking about it and walk in it. Can I just tell you that was really freeing for me. Don't just, you can't just believe something. Half of America believes in Jesus. Half of America believes in Christianity. Probably half of America even more so believe that the Bible is a book from God. But we're not walking in it. As believers, in order for us to feel the freedom, in order for us to walk in the freedom, we have to walk in what Jesus has already given us. That means we must embrace it. It is part of now our story. Guilt always leads, listen, please, guilt always leads to despair. If we let guilt rule us, it will lead to despair. Conviction about what we've done wrong, conviction about our own sin, failures, mistakes, all those things that we've all experienced, conviction comes from God and always leads to hope. Please write that down. Conviction leads to hope. Guilt is from the enemy and leads to despair. He wants, the enemy wants to get you so trapped, like in a boxing ring. He, he wants to get you on the ropes and just beat you to a pulp and tell you how bad you are. You're not a Christian. God can't use you. You'll never go to heaven. God really doesn't love you. That is a lie from the enemy. And if he can isolate us, 
I guess that's, that's why life groups are so huge here at Mission Beyond Christian Church. Jesus had a life group. Let's not forget at the very end of Jesus' life on earth, before he was crucified, he had Peter, James, and John with him, part of his life group, his small group. Peter, James, and John, could you just come and sit with me? Could you just pray? Just be here with me in my most anxiety-filled moment before I go to the cross. I just need you to be with me. We need one another. There was someone in the Bible. Somebody in the Bible that did horrible things. Outlandish things. Unspeakable things. Things that were so, so wrong that violated this guy did so many things. He so crossed the line with God in so many ways. That later in his life, I believe there were children of parents that he condemned, children of parents that he killed, children of parents that came back to him and wanted justice. They wanted restitution. They wanted everything possible from this man. They were going to make him pay for what he did. This is the life, I believe, of the Apostle Paul. When we read most of the New Testament, we know that, that the Apostle Paul, the author of most of it, we think he kind of skated through because he was so in the spirit and nothing bothered him. Wrong! There were things, I believe, that bothered this man who was absolutely sold out for the gospel and sold out for God. All he wanted, man, was to live his life to glorify God and help as many people as possible to know Jesus Christ and how Jesus had so transformed his life. But he still lived. Watch this now. I believe he still struggled with the guilt of what he did before he gave his life to God. I, I really believe that because of his writings and some of the things that come through. I can't imagine the guilt, the shame that he experienced when I believe people came back to him. You killed my father. You hurt my mother. My brother's no longer here. My aunt and uncle is not here because of you, and I'm going to make you pay. Can you imagine being a believer and not being able to retaliate for that. And yet he has now to deal with it. So what does he do? Watch, I just want us to see a pattern here now out of what we're learning so we can be freed from guilt, right? Because all of us want to be freed from it. He documented it. He wrote it down. So, well, where do you see that? Turn your Bibles over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. We're going to read this here. I just, oh, let this soak in. Let this thing sink in. And it doesn't matter if you're five years old or 105 years old. This applies to every single one of us. Paul wrote this to the Roman believers, but I believe with all my heart as he wrote this down, he was writing this down out of an experience, and the Holy Spirit inspired him to write every single word down, knowing that every single one of us, God knew that you and I would be standing, sitting here in this moment, needing this for today. I just, that anointing from God, I believe somebody's going to get freed and healed today of this. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is now, come on, there is no condemnation for those who are what? Live a good life? No. Believe in God? No. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse number two, because through Christ Jesus, the law 
of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse number three, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully made in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. I remember those days. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Man, that is so powerful. That is right there. That is life-changing. That is what Jesus meant. These words, Paul agreed with Jesus. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth about God and the truth about myself. Unless we're willing to be humble and unpack this stuff, we're going to let guilt just rule our life till the day that we die. It doesn't mean that we're not saved. It just means that we're missing out on so much because we're living with the guilt that God never intended us to live with. There are certain things, four things I see out of this text. If you're taking some notes, they're right there in the seat back in front of you. The law was powerless to free you. We cannot be saved by the law. What that means for us in modern day terms, if we're not Jewish, is that religion can't save you. Going to church can't save you. Doing good things can't save you. Giving more money to the poor. Um, um, Seeking out many ways that we could serve in our community. Those things can't save us. Religion can't save us. The second thing we see out of Romans 8, it reminds us we need God. That's the purpose of the law was to show us how desperate we are. Listen, can I say to you that getting in a room filled with people that have been saved from addiction, from problems, from prostitution, from all the sex abuse, from all the stuff, and they know that they've been set free by Jesus, you can feel the electricity in the room. It becomes contagious. And all of a sudden, maybe if you've grown up in the church all your life and you think, well, my life's not changed like that. How come I'm not excited? All you got to do is start hanging around some of those folks. Tell me your story, man. They tell you their story. And all of a sudden, it's the Holy Spirit that starts filling all over on your life. And you start appreciating every good thing you have in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, you're on fire for God. It reminds us, look, we all need God. None of us came out of the womb speaking in tongues. None of us came out of the womb praising God. The Bible says we're all sinners, so let's just get over it. Stop the OC stuff of, well, my life really isn't that bad. Come on. Come on. Where are those deep, dark closets? We all got them, right? Everyone has a secret here. Some of you have more secrets than others. I got secrets in my life. And I certainly don't want to let those weigh me down. The devil says, ah, I know every single secret you have. You're not making it to heaven. You're not going to get blessed. You're not going to be anointed. God's not going to answer your prayers. You see how he works? He gets all that guilt going, and then we think we're no good. It reminds us we need God. Number three, we see out of Romans chapter 8, the law brings punishment. That's the bottom line. Punishment must be served. Those of you that have children, you, know, you, don't, let your, you don't let your kids just run wild like wild animals. You have rules. You have consequences, right? Because you want to bring them up to know God. God has rules. The problem here is that the law was set up and nobody meets that expectation, so there must be some punishment. That's where Jesus comes in. Jesus took on our punishment. I just, I get, religion's not going to tell you that. Religion's going to keep that a secret because religion says do more good to be more perfect. You can't. I can't. Which brings us to the Next one, the gospel brings freedom, man. 
The gospel brings freedom. Aren't you glad for that? We can live free. We can live above what the enemy wants to push us down with. So instead of struggling, this next one here, instead of struggling to fight for the victory, I got to get over this guilt. I got to climb over this mountain. I got to do more work. I got to do more to get over this guilt that I'm feeling that something happened 26 and a half years ago that I did. I got to get over this thing. Instead of fighting for the victory, we can fight from the victory. This is I got to tell you, this is life-changing for me. I'm, I'm in the struggle. I'm in the battle with you. I get this. This is not like, well, this is for you. This is for you little people. This is for, the, you know, the Christians who are sitting down in the chair. This is for us, right? I need this just as much as anybody else does. Fighting from the victory. Well, where was the victory? 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on a cross. He conquered sin. He conquered over death. He conquered over the devil. The blood of Jesus conquers over all of it, man. And now we get to simply walk in it. That sounds too good to be true. It's good, but it is true. Man, the gospel is is life-changing. You and I do not need to walk in self-condemnation. God did not design you to live in guilt and self-condemnation. If you are telling yourself you're no good, or you think you'll never rise above it, or you think that's only for certain people, or only this group can do this, that is so of the enemy. The enemy wants to suppress you and keep you down. The, uh, Jesus Christ wants to lift you up, to rise above it. Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Is there anybody here that's tired? Is there anybody here that's exhausted? Trying to keep it all together? We can't. That's why we have Jesus. Romans chapter 8 is liberating. What he's essentially saying is, you mean Jesus traded his life for mine? Yes. Okay, I get that. I get to go to heaven. But it's more than going to heaven. He traded all your shame, all your sin, all of your guilt. He traded all of that for his goodness. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn over to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Just want to share this and then we'll do a couple of action points and I'll be out of your way. And you watch preseason football, which is no fun anyway, because they don't play the first stringers. 2 Corinthians 5.21, watch this now. God made him, meaning Jesus, who had no sin. Jesus never sinned. Watch this now. To be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the pivotal point right here. If you've tuned out everything that I've said the last 20 minutes, tune back in because this could be life-changing for you. It's your choice. I want to show you a visual. I'm a visual learner. This is how I learn. So I thought we would put this here on the screen to help us to grab what Jesus is really saying here out of 2 Corinthians 5.21. Again, through our good friend, the Apostle Paul. God in heaven. Clouds, heaven, right? God in heaven is a perfect place. All nations, that represents us. You know, if we had a screen big enough, I'd like to put all of our names here, but we didn't have the room. So we're just going to say all nations. You can put your name in here. God sees you. You are the apple of his eye. You are the cherished of his heart. He loves you. He sees you. You are his child. He wants to have relationship with you. But we have a problem. Let's go to the next slide. Sin. It's what Romans 8 was teaching us. 
we've all done it. We've all done something wrong. The unfortunate thing about sin is that not only it brings consequences, but it separates us. Have you ever had an argument with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, your dad, your spouse? And, and in the middle of the argument, your mind, your heart, or your, your mouth just keeps going and you can't stop it. And you have to leave the room because that's the only way to stop it. And then after, there's the guilt and shame. And what happens? You feel separated. I don't like, I don't like when I feel distant from Laura, my wife. I don't like that. I like when we are, we're humming together, man. We are walking in the spirit together. We are in tune with one another. So we've basically done that with God. We, we separated ourselves from God. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus came and died on the cross. And what he did, I hope you can see that. It's the red lines. He canceled out all of our sins. So now when God looks at you, if you receive Christ as your savior, which you can do that today right now. If you choose to do this, God looks at you through the perfection of his son and he sees you. Watch this now. He sees you as perfect. Are you? No. Am I? No. But he chooses to see me that way. And that's what frees me from the guilt and the shame and the past. Because I'm living in some guilt that he never looks at me with and never intended for me to have. This, I guess, I, 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 I'm... I'm going through the process of being like Jesus, trying to be more like him every day. This is life-changing for me because I got stuff in my past that I'm not very happy about. In fact, I feel bad about people that I took advantage of. It was all about me. My life was all about me, what satisfied me. I was a very selfish person. And I feel, I don't, I don't, I'm not happy about that. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed about that, but I'm going to choose because of this not to live there. I will not live there because Jesus never intended for us to do that. This is one more, one more thing I just want to show you here. Back to the Apostle Paul. Remember we read in the scriptures, Romans 8. We just read 2 Corinthians 5.21. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians when he wrote, God, I need you to take this thorn from my side. Do you remember that? How many times did he ask? One, two, not two, but three. Three that we know of. Have you ever wanted something so bad to be removed that was plaguing you, that, that was attached to you? You couldn't get away from it. You ran, you denied, you hide, and it's just still always there. Remember when David said, my sin is ever before me. I sinned with Bathsheba. I had sex with Bathsheba out of marriage. I killed her husband. I, 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 my sin is ever before me. Paul is saying to Jesus, take this from me, please. Scholars over the years, if you've studied this passage, Bible studies or heard messages on it, scholars over years have, been, have, have speculated, what was the thorn? Was it physical? Was it his eyesight? Was it lust for other women? Was it the fact that he was lonely? He lost his family? What, 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 he had no money? What, what was this thorn in his side? One pastor even said, jokingly, he said it was church people. I, I, I don't think that's what it was. Take this, this is, this is hurting me. I could be better for you if you took this, God. Ever said that to the Lord? God, if you took away the cancer, I could be better for you. It's just my personal opinion. I, I, I guess the more that I'm trying to get in tune with the New Testament and with Paul and his writings, I think it was living with the guilt. 
people in the name of God. I'm even trembling in this moment because this is real for Paul. That's why when we read Romans 8, it's so intense. That's why when we read 2 Corinthians 5.21, it hits the heart because Paul lived there. He wasn't writing to the little people. He was writing about the stuff that he was struggling with. And don't you just get from Paul's writings that we can overcome by the power of the Spirit from the victory, not for the victory, from the victory. So here's how this works. You and I, next slide here, you and I actually forfeit the right. We forfeit the right to condemn ourselves because you are not condemned. That's what 2 Corinthians says, right? You forfeit the right. How do we know that? Because Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's I no longer live, man. Christ lives in me. So now it's not about Mike. And now it's about Jesus hopefully living through Mike. I, I, just, I just love the way Paul is, is writing this here. And, and the action point, what do we do as a result of this? What, what actually do we do? Because we always want to be very practical. What is the word of God telling me to do? I think number one is this. Write down your story. Write down your story. Did you notice how I wrote down my story? In pictures. Doesn't mean you have to write this novel. You can do a storyboard and keep that in your heart. And when the enemy starts running after you, you just throw up the storyboard. Right? Number two is this. Practically, what can we do? You are free to make restitution without expectations and without excuses. You are, you, today you have been declared free to get it right, to make it right, right? So that's where the freedom comes. That's where we start walking in it. When we make a decision, I'm going to make restitution. I'm going to make this right. Christianity is not I hurt you and I go home and ask Jesus to forgive me in my prayer closet and then never ever make restitution with the person. That's only halfway, that we, we, we've conditioned ourselves, well, I made it right with God, but I'm still going to be this mean, horrible person to you. It's you and me, sister, just one of two of us, right? Christianity is, says, I hurt you. I face the guilt. Remember? Face it. I asked Jesus to forgive me. Yes. He gave me what I didn't deserve. He gave me grace. And now I'll go back. If it's possible, I will go back and make it right. I found you don't have to pour out your life story. This is what I did. I'm sincerely sorry. What can I do to make this right? You are now guilt-free. Well, you better. You shouldn't have. You're, finally, it took you 20 years. I can't. Let them react. You're not responsible for their reaction. You're only responsible for you, right? This is freeing stuff, man. This is life-changing stuff. So, action point number three, make the first move. Well, they should come to me first. If they ask, then I'll do it. If they ask, then I'll, if you humble yourself first, and then I'll humble myself. Jesus says, uh-uh. Jesus went to the cross first. Remember, we read this. He assumed our guilt, our shame, our sin. He took it upon himself. Listen, and when we're done, my past will remind me, but will not define me. 
My past will remind me, but it will not define me. I'm asking this, and then I just have something at the end to share here. I'm asking you to let this sink in. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to ask God what to do. I'm not, no pressure. This isn't like out of the flesh. You have to go out now and call your best friend that either there was a wrong 10 years ago. I'm saying pray about this. Process through it. Walk in the spirit. Let God set up the meeting. Let him set up the atmosphere before we just rush in and blah, Right? You follow the spirit and you follow what Jesus has called you to do. You know what, Mike? You're so out of touch with me because that person is gone. They've passed away, so I can't do this. That's okay. But we need to come to grips with it ourselves. Now, just to bring some encouragement and then we're done. Worship team's gonna come and we're just gonna continue to worship here and just worship God and what he's spoken to us about. Amen? Amen. God can use anyone. Listen. Anyone that's willing to position themselves in Christ and willing to be free. I will tell you, when we, two years ago, had an offer put in at the corner. The corner came up for sale. We put in an offer. They said, you got it. There were like four other parties involved who wanted it. Our lender, on a handshake, because we have such a good relationship with CDF, they said, yeah, we'll lend you the money. We went to you folks that were here during that time. There was an overwhelming number of affirmation. We should have the visible corner. We could expand, have more room here. I was so elated. Man, I came home. I was like skipping. My wife was like, what's into you? I said, we got the corner. We've been praying for 15 years. The night before, we were going to sign the final document. They verbally said yes, and we were going to sign the document the real estate agent, there were five, four or five of them involved, called our real estate agent. He called me at 12.30 in the morning and said, I have to tell you some bad news. I said, what? He says, we didn't get the property. I was devastated. My heart pounding through my chest. Because I've been praying for this. It seems so right. God is so good. Amen. He's so good. Because three weeks later, three weeks later, COVID hit. And I don't know if we were able to make those payments. I, 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 don't, I don't know. God, you got it. I trust you. But can I just tell you, there was a twinge within me. I was angry, resentful, even some guilt. We didn't do it right. We should have done this better. I didn't make the right decision. And just little decisions along the way. And we should have done this a different way. And all of a sudden, the guilt started coming in. Now, six months later, they said State Farm went out of business, vacated out. I'm driving here into work early one morning. I see a psychic on the corner. God, are you kidding me? Really? Really? Now I'm starting to get resentful and guilt and shame and all that stuff. Now I'm mad. Now I'm mad. I've moved from sorrow to anger. So I have to go first, right? Pastor Mike has to go first. So I went down and knocked on her door, the psychic. And I didn't say, what are you doing on the corner? This is so unchristian. This goes against the word of God. People don't need this. They don't need you. I said, hi, my name is Pastor Mike. I just want you to know we're just at the church up here. If there's anything that you need, we just, we just want you to know we're here for you. You're welcome to come to one of our services. Here's what she said. She said, oh, I used to go to church. She started talking about Jesus. I said, I, I just, I, I'm so glad to hear that. Please, please come. Just that conversation ended in about a seven to eight minute conversation. 
I went down again because we always give Christmas gifts to our neighbors um, from NVCC just to let you know we love you. We dropped some gifts off, some Christmas gifts. I just got a call from one of our folks here at NVCC. He says, Pastor Mike, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? They said, "Um, God told me to do something. Well, what did he tell you? I have to come into the office and tell you. I can't tell you over the phone. So this person rushed down to the office. She said, God told me in prayer, because she's a prayer warrior, God told me in prayer to go down and talk to the psychic about how much God loves her and how Jesus loves her. Do you see what's happening here? God's bringing this all together. Now, here's how, this is the funny part of this. She knocks on the door, it's locked, and she speaks through, the psychic woman speaks through the, the glass door and says to our member of our church, who's the prayer warrior, I can't talk right now, I'm with the client. She says, I know, but could I just talk to you for 30 seconds? The, the mail slot opens. She's talking through the mail slot. I just want you to know that God loves you. Jesus loves you. He's got something for you. This is what she says. That's all I'm supposed to tell you. The woman starts crying. Says, I needed to hear that. There's stuff going on in my life. Now, I can't tell you every detail about this, but what I want you to know is the person that was used by God had experienced trauma. Someone in her life that left abandoned. And if she would have allowed that guilt to remain, she would not have been able to hear from God and be used of one step closer to helping people get to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for being with us. I just want to remind you that we have two services every Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m., both live and online. And we really look forward to seeing you again next week.